You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today is part of the monthly Food for Thought series, and we unpack some of the big ideas about food in order to raise the conversation level and to stimulate philosophic discussion about food. It's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Benjamin Hill, Associate Professor of Philosophy, Western University, and member of the Rotman Institute of Philosophy. Welcome, Benjamin. Thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. Couldn't be happier to have you. Benjamin, in this show, we bring the arts and humanities to today's food dialogue, and philosophy falls into that category. It's a word we hear every now and then, but what does it mean? What is philosophy? So you can find lots of different definitions of philosophy in, you know, on the web in different uh, introductory classes, but I'm not sure that they're all so uh, helpful or accurate. Uh, the way I would characterize uh, philosophy as a form of disciplined uh, critical reflection. So it's a, it's a reflective enterprise. We focus on uh, intellectual techniques and conceptual techniques. So we, we reflect upon our experience in the world and the world around us and try to understand it through uh, those reflective techniques. But it's also uh, critical and disciplined. The discipline, I think, is really important. Uh, it's where we utilize logic, where we try to use uh, analysis, um, and where we use very, very careful techniques to work through this material. Uh, but then the, uh, the critical aspect is, is also important. That's where we ask really tough questions of ourselves and of our own experiences. So discipline, critical reflection would be the way I would characterize philosophy. Okay, I think that's very helpful today in thinking about not just taking whatever information comes our way and, and thinking that's the way it is, even if something in our stomach goes, I don't know about that, that philosophers look into things, reflect on them, you say discipline, so it's systematic, looking at things that come your way that you may consider accepting or rejecting, not necessarily taking into your world. I think that's a very helpful definition as we all start to think about the many ideas that we see on a regular basis and what do we do about them if we um, want to find out more in a, in a very disciplined way. So that leads me to my next question is what does a philosopher do and how do philosophers find answers to questions? You know, philosophers, you know, we we oftentimes get uh, characterized as a kind of uh, walking around, scratching our chins, being a little distracted from the world. Uh, and, you know, that's not necessarily uh, inaccurate. Uh, we, we try to think about things through our minds. We try to withdraw into ourselves uh, and we utilize these uh, intellectual and conceptual techniques. One of the things we really, really focus in on is trying to uh, develop distinctions. So we try to find principal differences between different phenomena um, so that we can understand them, so we can categorize them in different ways. We try to engage in a kind of analysis. We try to figure out how concepts will fit together in different ways. So we invoke something that we call thought experiments to try to explore the boundaries and, and the connections between concepts. So a thought experiment is, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a techniques that get used in fiction where we construct a scenario that's supposed to be coherent and consistent, but it's illustrative of, of certain aspects of these concepts or these ideas. Uh, and the idea is you, you find how far they can stretch. You try to explore uh, where their breaking points are to try to understand those ideas better. And then we engage in argument. That's probably the most uh, familiar for people. Uh, argument and uh, explanation, really. 
So that's where logic comes in. We construct arguments to defend various positions on things. Uh, but those are really ways of thinking or ways of conceptualizing uh, our experience in the world around us. I think that's a very helpful uh, method when we think of all the things that enter into our dialogue, not just about food, but other things. If you take a, a thought that comes your way and you follow that logic, well, if it was applied absolutely or all the way along the line or over time or across space or whatever, does it break down? Or is there a certain population that it doesn't fit for? Does it break down? So looking for where is an idea's breaking point, I think is really interesting. But also the, the idea that debate is interesting and lively and enlightening and that we can um, see the world differently and still very much enjoy each other's company, respect the viewpoint and um, still learn a lot. So I think those are very helpful methods in, in today's world, particularly and when we talk a little bit more in a few moments about food. And it reminds me that in many times philosophers absolutely disagree with each other and yet they carry on their conversations respectfully and they don't necessarily adopt the other person's view, but they do try and understand it. So do you have any philosophers tips for listeners that will help keep big idea conversations going? Because part of what this show is trying to do is find common ground and the way forward together. How can we keep our dialogues going when we disagree? I think a disagreement within philosophy is something that uh, we actually embrace and enjoy. Uh, sometimes we'll be out to uh, out to dinner with colleagues and companions, and there'll be a, a big raucous dis discussion and debate. and And my my wife will say, oh, "Well, you guys didn't seem to get along. You guys seem to have lots of trouble." And I'll be like, "No, this was great. This was one of the best <laughs> nights we've had." Uh, philosophers really love that spirited discussion, and that's because. What it is, we love to uh, engage in that critical aspect of reflection. Um, the critical aspect comes out uh, internally in ourselves, amongst ourselves, but it really requires debate and dialogue. We all have our own limits, or our own blinders uh, that we run into, and it's really nice to uh, have people push back and uh, open up our ideas and open up our minds to different perspectives. That's really, really great. And if you do get something that somebody presents that helps shape your perspective or you hadn't thought of, that there's richness in that dialogue. There's no shortage of material for us to discuss and debate. That brings me to my next question, which is, why is philosophy relevant in today's busy world? So there's a lot uh, to suggest philosophers should be kind of withdrawing from the world. There's a long tradition and history of this. Mm -hmm. And we have this character of philosophers uh, off in the ivory tower. Uh, but I don't think that that's really best for philosophers or best for our society. Really, philosophy is relevant for the world and uh, relevant for our policymakers, for our citizens. Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly, I wish we had more of it in our community. The role that philosophers play is one of uh, helping us to grow and develop in the same sort of way that in league hockey, in hockey practice, a really tough, aggressive uh, defender helps you get to be a better, a better forward. It helps to bring your whole team up. Uh, a really, a really good philosopher helps to foster these uh, conversations uh, in the community and helps our community to grow and, and uh, become better and understand ourselves and understand the world we live in. I think that's a great way to frame it. It's not, you know, good guy, bad guy, or whatever narrative may emerge. It's just more opposing view. 
interesting perspective. Now, how does that shape or match to what I want to offer and have other people listen to and, and shape their views in turn? And I agree with you that if we um, took that perspective, because sometimes food conversations can not just become very heated, but there are lots of other things that can come up in particularly talking about food. But if we look at it as a really great game, we're just trying to understand other people that are saying things differently than, than what we know. Or uh, in a moment too, we're going to get to the information and just how much of it is out there that if we view it as just something new to accept or reject and to make ourselves either stronger in our own worldview or broader in finding out others. I think that's a really, really very helpful um, way to position philosophy. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think we need more of it in that spirit and really handle it in ways that is productive. Let me ask you then, Benjamin, why do you think it's important for friends or families to philosophize together? I think that, uh, you know, philosophy really isn't restricted to the specialist. We have a little bit of training that helps us to be a little bit more disciplined, maybe uh, some different techniques, but everyone can uh, reflect in this critical discipline way. Uh, and I think it's important that we do so together and publicly as a group, partly because when you withdraw within yourself, uh, you come up with your own ideas and you get limits on your own ways of thinking. You get limits to uh, how far you can push things or you get trapped into a rut. And friends, colleagues can help us come out of that and the community as a whole. Uh, so having these discussions go on in a public way that we generate different directions, different ideas, different suggestions, uh, they can help to open us up to uh, new ideas and help us to understand our old ideas in new ways. And that's really, I think, what's important about philosophy. That's really, really helpful. I agree that I once heard Paul Williams, who wrote the song, um, The Rainbow Connection, that we all know Kermit the Frog sang. And he was talking about Kermit not just being an ordinary frog, he was a philosophic frog. And, you know, if you listen to the lyrics of uh, The Rainbow Connection, you know, what's so amazing that keeps us stargazing and what's on the other side, you think, yeah, that is a philosophic frog. And so, <laughs> if, I mean, maybe people don't appreciate the analogy, but I'm trying to build on what you said and that it really is for everyone that this interest in other people and that they're ideas may be different, but how fascinating. And that doesn't need to change my view and I don't need to get upset about it. It's just really an interesting way to not just pass the time, but relate to the world and others. That's great. After the break, we're going to hear more about philosophy and food from Dr. Benjamin Hill, Associate Professor of Philosophy, Western University. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Dr. Benjamin Hill, talking about thinking philosophically about food. Benjamin, what is the philosophy of food and why food? Food is definitely a non-traditional uh, area of focus for philosophical reflection, but a really interesting one. Food intersects with lots of different areas of our experience and Food, I think, has a special place, a special role within our psyche and within our community. You almost will never have a social gathering without food being present. Uh, there's something primal about bonding and sharing food and coming together as a group. Food becomes part of us and food and food traditions fundamental for defining our uh, group identity, a social identity, an important part of our own personal identity. It's also one of the ways in which we relate 
relate to the world around us. It's through food that we oftentimes relate to the land environment. We relate to other uh, creatures that we live with uh, and uh, to the people that prepare and touch and handle our food. There's a richness in those relationships. So the philosophy of food is really about exploring that nexus of connections and relationships, that very intimate connection that we have through food to the world around us. I'm really interested in this, this holistic uh, understanding of the role that food plays within our uh, social and personal worlds and how it is that food can bind us together. That's really interesting. And all of the people in every step of the food supply chain, they have their own worldview. And so there really is such a coalescence, every, every meal, every item we eat, and certainly the philosophy behind it all. One of the things that's challenging today is so much food information is contradictory. It changes a lot and it, it can just be overwhelming for any one person. I know I found myself a few years ago, myself having been in agri-food my entire life and worked at the university and my whole life in food, there were times I didn't know what to eat. So I thought, what am I going to do? I better do a show. I better start helping out. And so I'm wondering, how could philosophy help households make sense of it all? Uh, one of the things I'm struck by is that you just uh, use the word value and thinking about the philosophy of food. And I think that's absolutely right. That's the core nexus for, I think, where philosophy of food uh, arises. Food shapes those values and reflects those values. But the challenge is, is that the values that are implicated in our relationship with food are oftentimes uh, what we call incommensurable. This means that you can't compare them one to the other. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the saying of, you know, comparing apples to oranges. Sometimes we get information that's really about from an apple perspective, and then we get contrary information from an orange perspective, and it's hard to know how to make sense of it. Uh, and that's one of the things that philosophy of food is meant to help us work through. And it, philosophy should be done in the lived experience. Uh, it should be done by everybody as we navigate through day-to-day -day life. And try to balance and think about these different values that are implicated in our relationship with food is how I try to teach the philosophy of food. There is no easy one-size-fits-all answer. We have to reflect on the values and adjudicate between them and figure out which ones are more important or more significant than, than others because we can't compare the apples and the oranges. I was thinking while you were speaking, um, making all those excellent points that because food is so deeply rooted in values and because they really can't be compared or balanced out or, or distilled down to a common denominator, that it seems like it almost should be approached with all that we approach diversity, equity and inclusion with. And in that even in a same family, there might be differing values about food. We're seeing people want to eat a certain way and others, and it's not um, clinically uh, mandated, like we would see shifts in diets if there was something came up therapeutically. We see cultural eating patterns, which are, are wonderful representations of worldviews, but it's not those two things that we're used to seeing anymore. It's just expressions. And, but also the, the understanding that it's values that it may never come together, but that doesn't mean there's not enough that we come together on that we can help build a flourishing food system and help everyone find our way forward. So Benjamin, a lot of information about food is intended to persuade individuals or households about way of life. And sometimes narratives of victims and villains appear. Food for the Future is trying to offer a bit of optimism. And does philosophy have any suggestions for households to objectively assess information? 
Uh, we need to make a judgment. And I think in terms of judgment, judgment that is disciplined, a judgment that is uh, defensible, but it doesn't have to be fixed. We have all these differing values that are uh, active, uh, that are important to us all at the same time. Uh, and so it's working through those complications that uh, I think are important, but to do so is inherently a philosophical activity. Uh, we have to recognize that, that, that there are a lot of values that we're trying to balance and it is a balancing or a juggling act. Um, and sometimes um, uh, we will juggle it one way and sometimes we'll juggle it another, but there's no reason to think there's one right way and all the others are wrong way. And what we're really hoping for is to um, find ways that are better, uh, better for ourselves, better for uh, our families and better for our communities. That's great advice and, and continuing to seek information and to talk to others and listen. And we may get an emotional appeal and we may get some hard science and we can feel small in, in comparison to it, but really we are entitled in a democracy to our perspective and to seek out information. And that's possibly the best way to try to reconcile all of this competing information and, and stay out of the single stories that everything's this way or it's that way. And as you said, that, that it's, it can be a continuum as opposed to um, an objective fact somewhere out there. That's very helpful. A lot's happening in food policy right now and behind policy, there's an implicit way of life. What personal actions can listeners take in order to ensure a way of life that's important to them is included? You know, a lot of what goes on in uh, our relationship and in structuring that relationship are things that are outside of our personal control. This is where food policy arises, this is where the institutions um, arise, and this is where the food system itself begins to uh, impose upon us. One of the things we can do is just develop uh, our understanding, um, come, to, come to know the system, come to know where our food comes from, who's growing our food and how it's growing, how it's being processed, uh, how it's being prepared. Um, Another thing we can do is engage in that uh, reflective assessment of, of these different values, um, making those judgments about the kind of eater we want to be. So those are the things I would, as a philosopher, recommend people do. Um, and then back the policy and institutions uh, that they themselves are most comfortable with as aligning up with the kind of food system that they really want. So we oftentimes just accept the food system we have rather than uh, demand the food system that we want. That's very helpful advice. Not, it's not just about finding answers, but also asking those questions. That's a very good advice. Uh, I wish we had more time, but I'd like to finish off with a few things. One, you teach a course about food culture and values. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, uh, just briefly. Um, so uh, this course is really looking at a lot of the things we've just talked about. It's exploring the food values and the ways in which the, the institutions and, and food system uh, begin to shape those values, but are also reflective of those values. The course is designed to uh, provoke the students to develop those skills and to ask those questions. I think questions are a central and yet underappreciated aspect of being philosophical, asking the right question at the right time in the right way. The course is really meant to ask those questions about our food traditions, our food cultures, uh, and the food system we have. That's a wonderful opportunity for students. I wish I could take it. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll get to. <laughs> well, I think, you know, any, anyone that's eligible to be a student at Western can certainly uh, take it uh, and sit in on it at least. Uh, very exciting and how wonderful the students get an opportunity to have that experience because you know, just by our conversation like today, there's, there's hope and a way forward. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to offer our listeners about philosophy or food? 
I think I just would encourage people to uh, take that step and uh, begin to ask questions and to begin to think critically, not just about the food system, but about their own attitudes and their own values with regard to food and their own relationship and engage in that philosophical reflection about their own place within the, the, the food world. That's wonderful advice. Thank you so much, Benjamin, for our conversation today. You've offered a wealth of knowledge and you have been a real source of inspiration of how we can keep our dialogue going. So thank you very, very much. Thank you, Peggy. It was a pleasure to have you here. So thank you. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Dr. Benjamin Hill, Associate Professor of Philosophy at Western University. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? Do you think philosophy and food is important? Have a conversation philosophically about food. Something to do? Visit philosophy as a way of life at www.philllife.nd.edu. Next week on Food for the Future, we continue the Waste Not series in which we discuss food waste and what households can do to help feed a hungry home, community, and human family. We cover part two with special guest, Mr. Vimalendra Sharan, Director of the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization for North America. And we'll talk about recently published food report on global waste and discuss strategies to help bring change to humanity right from our own homes. Thank you to our platinum level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.